We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. War College. You are listening to War College. Dr. Dan Schneider, Jess Romero. Kyle Clement may be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, you may be popping in and surprising us. Uh, Dan, I love the bumpers that uh, you and some of the guys from The Shield have, have uh, chosen for the show. Uh, my hat's off to you, my friend. Uh, well, thanks. We, we, uh... Here's the thing, is that... Spiritual warfare is a, is a, it's a very serious topic, um, but but as I say, take yourself, take what you do very very seriously, but don't take yourself very seriously. So we have we have to have some lightheartedness. We have to be. Anytime you see soldiers in combat, sometimes they say the they use humor to to kind of offset it. You know the famous saying, which which we saw in the movie Three Hundred, but the the famous saying was in this confrontation between King Leonidas and Xerxes. Uh, the Persian that was going to invade them, one of his generals says, we will darken the the sun with our arrows. And one of one of Leonidas' generals says, then we will fight in the shade. So <laughs> a little humor here and there and 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 uh, brings it in, you know, because that's what soldiers do. They complain and they and they tell jokes and uh, try to do what they got to do to get through it, you know. So. So, yeah, but thank you. Thank you. A lot of the guys at the Shield have been great. We've thrown a lot of ideas back and forth out there. And uh, working with guys with combat experience helps because they get it. Guys with spiritual and physical combat experience, they understand the, the complexities of warfare. I'm, well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad the guys from the Shield are helping you uh, uh, bring, yeah. some, bring some levity to the show. Hey, Dan, yeah. uh, talk a little bit about just for, for a few minutes, an amazing saint today, St. Polycarp. What yeah. a ma- um, talk about a man's man. Yeah. Yeah, he he was an early church. He was a he was actually not only a tradent, he was a disciple, a hearer of the apostle John. So so he was you know first generation after the way back. He knew John, Bishop of Smyrna, um, and um, as the persecutions began from the Romans, they brought him in uh, to to be to be eaten um, uh, or to be to be killed in the in the forum. And, um, you know, they, they started yelling. They, the Christians were called atheists, you know, and, and, they, and, and they would say, away with the atheists, meaning the Christians. And Polycarp looked to the crowd and said, away with the atheists, you know. <laughs> um, he was confronted once. This guy, a disciple of the beloved disciple, the one who told us God is love. And later in his life, Marcion, the heretic, the arch-heretic Marcion, says they met somewhere, I think in Rome, and he says, do you know who I am, the heretic says. And this is this guy was known for his preaching of, of the love of God. And he says, I know who you are. I recognize the firstborn of Satan. So, so here's a guy that knows how to speak the truth in charity. And when he was martyred, when he was martyred, they, 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 um, they, they tried to they, – they tied him to a stake and they burned him. They tried to burn him alive. And the flames engulfed him, and 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 then the readings of the poly, of the martyrdom. It says here, it says he sent up an amen and finished a prayer, which was a Eucharistic prayer, very very much like a Eucharistic prayer. 
And as a great flame blazing forth, we beheld a marvel, we to whom was granted the sea, who have been preserved to report the events for the fire, taking the appearance of a vaulted room like a boat's sail, filled with filled the wind, formed was filled with wind, formed a wall around the martyr's body, and had he asked in the center, not like a burning flesh, but like baking bread or like gold being refined in a furnace. And we perceived a particularly sweet aroma, like wafting incense or some other precious perfume. And it didn't consume his body, so they had they killed him, and they and so much blood poured out of him. They stabbed him with a sword, and and it extinguished the flames. And here we have an er, also interesting the early early veneration of relics. You know, we get people give us grief for all you Catholics, you you know, and the relics. Um, so so they actually uh, grab the relics so that they. That we may we we may uh, offer due homage to him um, and and keep preservation of, of of his holy holy body. So great saint for us. Um, uh, um, the phrase you know he uses the phrase "be a man." You know, pray that I be a man. So yeah, great a great a great inspiration for us. Another thing too for you old guys, uh, they tried to get him to apostatize. Look, we're going to kill you. You're the bishop of Smyrna. If you 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 renounce your God, we'll 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 let you live. He says, 85 years, he's been good to me. Why would I, why would I deny him now? You know, <laughs> he's been good to me. He didn't say he didn't give anything, this theological treatise. He's been good to me. Why would I deny him? You know? And uh, I think it's fantastic. S- simple is better. Occam's razor. Simple is yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dan, uh, we're going to go back to some, a little bit of rapid fire questioning here. Okay, but uh, yeah, Saint Polycarp, pray for us. Dan, here's a big one today in the Novus Ordo Mass, uh, the the Holy Gospel today, and we can kick this back around. We've talked about this for a long time, but it's, I want people to hear our conversation uh, today. The Gospel is in Mark chapter nine, verse thirty-eight to forty. Let me read it, and then uh, I want I want us to comment on this. It says, John said to Jesus, "Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name." And we try to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. The gospel of the Lord. Okay. You find a lot of well-intentioned Protestant Pentecostals, a lot of well-intentioned Charismatics. They'll set up like a weekly healing and deliverance group where they'll take that verse and they absolutize it. Uh, not looking at the context, not looking at the historical background, not looking, mm-hmm. at the devel- not looking at the development of doctrine. They'll take that verse and in their simple piety, they absolutize it and they'll say, this must mean that today in 2022, I can set up a deliverance ministry on Tuesday in the parish basement and lay hands like the apostle and drive out demons to those that are afflicted. What would you say, Dan, about that verse? Give us some context. Contextualizing it. Well, first of all, we, we, the, the context of this verse isn't the modern uh, post-Reformation church where we have such divisions, what, 40,000 different variants of Protestantism now. That, that that's not the context. The context is, is Jesus is talking about the greatest in the kingdom, and he's teaching the he's teaching the disciples how to be authentic disciples. Okay, and and the verse that he quotes here, John said to him, "Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons 
Jesus replied, don't prevent him, as, you know, um, for there's none who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. The word for mighty deed, dunamis, this is where we get the word for power. So we know in the early church, the power of the name of Jesus, just the name of Jesus, the power and reading the stories of scripture, um, early church fathers like Tertullian and Origen, would would uh, were, were in apologetical works against the, the, the Gentile pagans, saying our, our God is so powerful that we just read stories of his life. The average guy on the street, Christian, can just say the name of, proclaim the name of Jesus and it drives demons. So the power of the name of Jesus. But again, going back to, he, he's training the apostles to, to continue the words and deeds in and through the Holy Spirit after Jesus is gone. The reference is probably to, to Numbers 11. In, in Numbers 11, uh, Moses was was uh, appoint, appointed 70 elders, and the 70 elders were to help him administer uh, juridical administration of the people of God in the desert. And so um, two of the guys that were chosen to be elders, the 70, keep that phrase in mind, the 70, two of the guys that were, were not in the camp and the spirit upon them, it says, and they said, um, so when a young man quickly told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, Joshua, the son of Nun, who from his youth had been Moses' aide, said, Moses, my Lord, stop them, right? Just like the apostles, make them stop, Lord. They're, they're driving out demons in your name. Joshua, uh, uh, so, but Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the people of the Lord, prophets, would that the Lord might bestow his spirit on all of them? And then Moses retired to the camp along with the elders. So, so. So, so he's showing that the Spirit of God is going to continue to work miracles. But this, uh, but you know, elsewhere in Scripture, um, you know, if 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 you're not with me, you're against me. You know, uh, uh, and though, and you know, so 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 you can't take this in, under strict context because we have a developed tradition on, on what this verse came to mean, and we know also that in, in Acts, uh, for example, Acts nineteen thirteen, the sons of seven sons of Sceva, who also were driving out G demons in the name of Jesus. Uh, as non-disciples, you know, uh, of non-disciples of Jesus Christ as non-Christians, and they were severely retaliated against. So, and also in Luke's gospel, we have the the sending out of the seventy-two, depend on which which manuscript you're dealing with. We have a parallel version of the of the seventy, which 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 is echoing and recalling the seventy elders that assisted Moses. And so the the seventy there are all sent out, and I've heard it say, "Well, those seventy they weren't ordained yet, so those were lay people driving out demons because they returned. Even the demons respond in our name." But if you look you look at the the, the historical writings in the early church, Saint Hippolytus of Rome, for example, they list the names of those seventies, and every single one of them was a bishop of the of one early see or another in the early in the early church, particularly in that region, in in, in the Palestinian that the Palestine region in that area for example so we see we see early so we see the authority being bestowed and even again i'll get for a minute but ludwig and rock in the in in the uh, uh fundamentals of catholic dogma says very clearly that against the errors of the protestant who say that there's a development of the structure that when christ sent them out he gave them the juridical authority as ministers of god as as priests and or bishops of god so, so yeah, so 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 that verse, yeah, you could read it today and say, well, that means if they're not doing bad stuff, leave them alone. But it does certainly doesn't give license for us to start setting up uh, these things in the in the parish hall, as you say. War College, Dan Schneider, Jess Romero. I think we're gonna have Kyle. that's gonna come up next.
War College, Dan Schneider, Jess Romero. Hey, uh, Mr. Engineer, do you got that clip that Dan sent you? Just, uh, okay, uh, we'll do it next segment. Hey, Dan, let me just add something to Mark 938, verse 40. The only thing that I would add to that is that if we look at Mark chapter 16, verse 17, the context is our Lord was talking to the apostles. So, uh. Yeah. 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 So, so when you look yeah. at Mark sixteen, yeah, we have to we have to distinguish. That doesn't mean that lay people can't can't drive out demons. It's just working under the right of authority. Yeah. Here's what I the authority say. structure. We're going to delve into that each each week because that's the first. Remember, the demon is going to respond, yield or not yield. That's it. It's not going to be how intelligent you are. It's not going to be you use the right prayer. Number one, it's going to be three questions: Does this person have requisite authority over the person, place, or object? Is this number two? What is the state of merit or the state of grace? And number three, specifically, what is he asking? So, understanding the authority structure it doesn't mean at all that lay people cannot and should not be cleaning up their family and their homes, but it's working within the structure of a laity. It's this blending of the charism, the priestly charism with the laity, this conflation into the so-called universal priesthood of the laity at the expense of the ministerial priesthood, this is where we get into trouble. If you stay in your lane, as we say, you can you can drive out demons and you should be cleaning your house up at all times, you know, at all times. So yeah. but but working on the authority structure. Dan, let me just mention that Mark nine nine thirty-eight to forty, the verse we just quoted, uh, it doesn't preclude because it doesn't go into detail. It may also mean that these people were driving out demons within their family or within. Yeah, their absolutely. Family. I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, think absolutely. about that. Think about that. In Mark 9, 38, 40, it doesn't give us a lot of detail. It may actually mean that people were driving demons out within their family structure. And it also could mean that people were driving demons out in relation to themselves. Uh, yeah. That, that, th- yeah. Th- okay. Those are safe assumptions that you can make based on the tradition of the church. By the way, I want the audience to hear a, a quick uh, a quick clip here that'll bring some levity. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? I'm a joker. Do you believe in the Virgin Mary? Sir, no, sir! Well, private joker. I don't believe I heard you correctly. Sir, the private said no, sir, sir! Why, you little maggot! You make me want to vomit! I'm in a heather and you had best sound off that you love the Virgin Mary. Or I'm going to stomp your guts out. <laughs> now you do love the Virgin Mary, don't you? <laughs> we do that by way of introduction because that reminds me that Kyle Clement is doing a retreat that you can sign up for. That was a clip from last year's Kyle Clement retreat. <laughs> so, I think Kyle, Kyle, are you on board with us, my friend? Yeah, I'm on, Jess. How you doing? <laughs> hey, yeah, we just wanted to warn people what they could expect at your retreat. So we thought we'd play, play, we'd play a little God. clip of your last retreat. <laughs> that retreat that retreat is uh, is starts, I think, March 27th. You can plug it, Kyle. We, we joke about it, but Kyle is, is, is a master in the spiritual life. He, is, he, is, he truly knows how to identify evil, uh, uh, to identify obstacles to grace, to help people. This is what he does. Uh, 24/7, and and this retreat is very helpful for us, uh, for anybody that could sign up for it. It's, and uh, I highly recommend it. Hey, hey, thank uh, you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Hey, uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about Liver Crystal. What's going on? Uh, what what are some of the things that you want to let the audience know about, and uh, how and how they can also uh, uh, get information? Uh, who should they send an email to? Thanks, Jess. So, send any of the activities that Dan and I. Are 
mentioning, uh, send a, an inquiry to info, I-N-F-O, at Libercristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot org, and just uh, send that in. We've got your contact information, then we can send you periodic newsletters, and you can tell us what you're interested in. But this Linton retreat, um, I think will be a good thing. It's at uh, Heart Ridge in Sunset, South Carolina, and it'll be a week of uh, Ash Wednesday falls in the middle of that week, but it's a reclamation theology. Essentially, we're going to look back and see some of the things that we've lost, some of the things that we need to bring back into our daily and, and uh, monthly life, our practice, um, the, the practice of, of the warrior monk that is necessary in today's uh, spiritual atmosphere. Uh, so I would highly encourage you guys to consider if you're going to do a Lenten retreat, this may be the one to, to think about. Kyle, let me ask you a question. Me and Dad were talking about uh, on the last segment. Uh, a, a lot of people will take verses from the Bible, like today's Gospel in the Novus Ordo Mass, were uh, in Mark in Mark chapter nine, verse thirty-eight to forty, uh, where it where it reads, and and a lot of people absolutize it and they say, well, that means everybody. I just want to get your take. Where it, it says, uh, it says, uh, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we try to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, do not prevent him. There's no one who can perform a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of you for whoever is not against us is for us. A lot of people look that look at that verse, they absolutize it and they go on Tuesday nights and set up a deliverance ministry in the parish basement and uh, start laying hands on people and get themselves in a lot of trouble as a result of misreading that verse. What say you, Kyle? I think you got a very valid point. Um, I think two observations I'd like to make. Um, the, the first observation is this, is that we as Americans interpret that scripture different than the rest of the world. We, we interpret it as license, and, and we think that the ends justifies the means. And the whole charismatic deformation movement in the church, this is indicative of that when they say, well, uh, it works because the demon leaves. What is, the, what is the price paid by the illicit practitioner? Um, these charismatic groups just look at their family life, look at their, their families, look at their marriages, look at uh, their children. It, it's carnage because the demon comes right back against their authority structure. So the fact that the demon leaves, he leaves because of the name of Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave because this person is, is operating correctly. And so just because the demon leaves does not mean the activity is legitimate. That's the first observation. Second observation is that um, as Americans, we will take this as license. We'll take it that we can pray over anybody. I think that this scripture can be interpreted uh, in light of what we know in the power and authority structure. And that is that employing the name of Jesus in the right authority structure, fathers over children, father, uh, husbands over wives, um, over employees, over over those over whom you have right authority, <clears throat> this is a right use. And so um, I, I think that there's two American inferences and misinterpretations in the scripture that you point out, but I think you could also look at the scripture and exegete it in a way that is totally consistent with Thomistic power and authority. Amen. Okay, here's the big question. Kyle Dan Schneider, a lot of people want to know, who is Lilith? Who is Lilith? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Go ahead first, Kyle. I'll I'll go second. <laughs> so so she was a character on Cheers. 
always get I always get uh, amused at um, sitcoms when things are in, in plain sight. <clears throat> if you'll recall in the, in the uh, sitcom Bewitched, uh, Samantha's mother's name was Indora, the witch of Indor. Oh, <laughs> so that's, right. that's yeah. scriptural. Yeah, just right there in your face. And so Frazier's ex-wife was Lilith. <clears throat> now, Lilith is um, a, a feminine form, um, is... Again, we, we talk about demons do not have masculine and feminine. They don't have gender. But in this particular case, Lilith's specialty is hatred of all masculine men engaged in uh, vocation. The vocation is the giving of self for the salvation of others. And so she's particularly focused on priests and on um, and on men in functional marriages. Uh, she's one of the three principal spirits of feminism. And uh, it, it's uh, she's a, particularly insidious, <clears throat> but she is very, very effective and, and she's front and center uh, in our culture today. Um, so, again, we look at what is the psychological compatibility. Um, I just wish women would would realize how much they give up when they buy the lie of equality. Um, and so that's the short riff on Lilith. She's active in uh, quite a bit right now, especially in government. Um, and so I'll, I'll give it over to Dan for a, a, the deeper theological perspective. Yeah, the, the, this, this spirit claims to be, it, it, to be the anti-Mary. It claims to be present in the garden and unjustly cast out as Eve. Um, so she claims to be the, the true Eve or true new Eve. Um, so you'll see parallel movements between, you see as a contrast between an authentic femininity in the Virgin Mary as new Eve, mother of the living, and the inauthentic um, feminist expression um, of, 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 of instead of the mother of the living, you've got mother of death. It's a mother that unites. You have the mother that divides. Um, she is symbolized by the owl that screeches. She is known as the destroyer of men and things holy and, 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 and holy purity. So, but like Kyle said, she's very today, quite elusive. Um, cycles in and out, very willing and 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 capable of of cycling lower level demons in on a particular case. It's hard to pin down, um, and and uh, you, sometimes you also signature her signature card is is uh, 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 feminine uh, lesbianism, feminine same sex ideation, um, as well as um, as high emotionality, high you know swings between anger and 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 uh, despair and tears and that sort of thing. Uh, another question that's related to that from somebody here in the audience. It says, uh, how is communism connected to the diabolical? How is feminism connected to the diabolical? I'll repeat it again. How is communism connected to the diabolical? How is feminism connected to the diabolical? Kyle? I can't hear Kyle. I think we got cut off. Dan, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead and jump in. I think. Uh, yeah, Kyle said he's he got some. He's in some bad weather, and he doesn't have a solid, solid grid. Right. Um, communism. It's been. It's been. It's this been. Is talk. Go ahead, Kyle. He's back. Kyle's back. Go ahead, Kyle. So, communism. One of the principles of communism. 
movement replaces theocracy or it replaces God or faith as a center point in a person's life and in society. So this is why it's necessary to erase uh, and to eliminate, cancel God and faith and church from a a communist society because the state provides that rule. The state becomes the idol which must be served and appeased for the good of all. And so it's a false theocracy. It's diabolical in, in that sense. It's also diabolical in the sense of equality. I really want to, to hammer on that. Equality, it appeals to our, our American sense of justice, but equality is actually a, a mechanism for diminution, not elevation. And the person, in order to be made, quote, equal, there's a di- diminishment. We are not equal. We're not created uh, equal. We're created on an on a even plane. And so I know that's a hard thing to hear, but... There are different cognitive abilities, there are different physical abilities, and so all measures of equality, when you just observe the observe nature, they don't apply. And so we can come back to that. Equal under the law is different than equal in ability, equal in, in uh, attributes. Hold that thought, Kyle. We'll be right back. War College. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, Jess Romero. We'll be right back. Stick around. War College, we got two of the instructors of Liver Christo, uh, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement. Uh, they, uh, they teach the healing, deliverance, and exorcism from the monastic perspective. And by the way, if anybody wants any, uh, to hear more on communism, Father Chad Ripperger has 47 videos. They're very short on YouTube. It's called Spiritual Warfare and Communism. If you want to do a deeper dive on this topic, Kyle, so what's the connection between feminism and the diabolical? Feminism and the diabolical, this, this, um, it, it's wholesale, it's the, the mass selling of a lie that a woman is elevated uh, by equality when in fact she is already in a position of elevation, she's already in a position of uniqueness. The most sacred place on the face of the earth is the womb of a woman, for it is there that flesh is knit upon a soul. And so this whole idea that to be made equal we are not equal. Men and women simply are not equal. There should be equal consideration under the under the law as individuals. However, the genders are so unique, and it's the sum is greater than the parts. Literally, the one flesh union takes um, the man and the woman into the vocation of marriage, whereby that one flesh rejoined man and woman. Um, is of greater magnitude in in serving the Lord and in serving society, for that matter. This is why marriage is such a foundational element, and feminism militates directly against the integrity of marriage, in primarily in the authority structure, secondarily in um, the woman and the man being able to complete uh, marriage, one flesh union, as intended to be a conduit of grace, and so. This is the real danger of feminism and the real effect of feminism is a wholesale diminution of grace flowing into society because people are not acting in right roles. This is the variation on the garden. This is a variation on the garden where Eve uh, supplants and Adam acquiesces. And so we see it played out over and over and over again. 
we could say the first, uh, the, the the original sin, one of the first sins that we see in human history, is radical feminism. I, I, I guess it would be safe to say that. Let let me ask yes. uh, let me ask uh, Kyle or Dan uh, this question. This is a common one. Uh, what is the prayer, the light of Christ? A lot of people in the audience here, both of you, mentioning this in your lectures, mentioning this on on interviews and conferences. What is the light of Christ's prayer? Who who invented this prayer, and what's uh, and how should it be deployed? So this particular prayer, um, the light of Christ, to, to bring about, to, to intone or to imagine the light, you're, you're talking about uncreated light from realms of endless day. Uh, have mercy on their soul, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine upon them. Uh, the light of the world, be light and salt. All of this is, uh, this illumination is also the illumination of conscience. This is that moment of pricking of conscience. And so the reason it's called the light of Christ prayer is the prayer is very simple. It goes like this, Lord, let them see themselves as you see them and let me see them as you see them. And immediately the stock image of the person for whom you're praying in your mind, the stock image needs to be when they were in right relationship with God when they were in sacramental grace, when at the moment of a sacrament. And so this is the, the most effective prayer we found to bring people back to the faith. It brought the boy out of the pig pen and the prodigal son. It is that pricking of conscience that to let them see themselves as the Lord sees them. And then in that pricking of conscience, they may turn back to the Lord. They may turn away from the Lord. But essentially, we're not praying for behavior. We're simply praying that they have this moment uh, where they can make an unmolested choice in free will, if you will. So that's the that's the rationale behind the, the light of Christ prayer. Um, and it, variations on it, I don't think anyone can c- claim authorship. Variations on it have been can be found all the way back um, in short prayers. Um a very a one variation on it is the, the Jesus prayer. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, we're seeing ourselves as a sinner. Jesus sees us as a sinner. He wants us to see ourselves, but that's what opens us to mercy. Um, it's not, oh, Jesus, see me as a good boy. Oh, Jesus, see me as, as your mijo. Oh, Jesus, see me as one who is entitled to your mercy. It's not it at all. And so what predicates metanoia or movement is repentance and repentance is built upon the realization of sin. And so ultimately these prayers, it's just, it's just touching back all the time on how the light of Christ, the presence of Christ illuminates our soul. I'd like for Dan to, to, uh, to, to jump in too. Dan, go ahead. Yeah. 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 May the light of Christ be upon my son, my daughter, my husband my grandpa my mom my dad that they see themselves my sister-in-law my brother-in-law my son-in-law my daughter-in-law oftentimes we get caught up in god um we we become his consultant lord this is the five steps you need to take to fix my son-in-law whatever and instead changing it may the light of christ be upon them that they see themselves as the heavenly father sees them and that i see him as the father sees them you're now open and grace what i like about this prayer is that it also starts the type of prayer that are that are effective that just and I, you and i were talking about the, the the blessed mother talked about the rosary as a battering ram and you you've seen those things and use them in anger 
professionally, a battering ram, opening doors. This is what that prayer does. It allows grace to flow into, into the construct that you're praying. Um, God knows what's best. And the best thing sometimes that needs to take place is an interior change in your own disposition towards the person, the object, et cetera, the thing, the situation. So that that prayer is a prayer of, of conformity to the will of God through the illumination of, of the light of Christ upon the whole construct. And so once you learn how this unravels, how it packs, and then as Kyle mentioned, secondary to that, you're going to project the person when they were last in right relationship with God sacramentally. And so you're projecting images because if you've got a, a scenario where uh, the family member is this or that, and the demon's going to project images of sinful behavior, you know, hanging out with their biker friends, getting a tattoo, uh, you know, whatever, doing all sorts of self-destructive things. The demon's going to project that into your to mitigate your ability to pray for them. This this conforms your will to the will of the Father by letting Christ's light shed upon it. And it also teaches you how to project back into the cosmos uh, a prayer that evokes the merciful love of God and, 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 a, and a trusting and loving conformity. Loving. Let me ask you another question, uh, Dan. Uh, Kylan, you talk a lot about the issue, the issue of authority. There's a... Uh, there, there's a friend of mine that bought Father Ripperger's book. It's uh, Deliberate Prayers for the Laity. And he's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of preternatural activity that's happening in his house. He's got a priest working with him. And uh, there are some things that are happening that would make your hair uh, stand up if, if, you would, uh, if you would talk to him and, and if he could communicate what's happening in his house. He says that when his wife prays, th- there's still this preternatural activity in the house. Uh, there's still the, this uh, diabolical infestation that's occurring. He says, but when he prays that it ceases for the, everybody has a good night's sleep. All the preternatural activity stops. Uh, and there's a cessation of, of, of activity in the house of diabolical activity. Uh, why, why would that happen with the father and not the mother? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, um, we distinguish between imprecatory and deprecatory. Imprecatory authority is, is or Im, depre, imprecatory is in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind, blah, blah, blah. Deprecatory is may the Lord bind this or may Our Lady drive this demon away, etc. You're, you're, you're praying. The word pray chase is a Latin word for prayer. Imprecatory is to call down. Deprecatory is to, in a sense, defer. Imprecatory authority in the home or in any organization or, or church or diocese, it flows through it through it, uh, the authority structure, and, and that means office. And precatory authority flows through office. And the office of head of household is is where the demon is respond. The demon must respond to the authority of the petitioner, particularly when the petitioner has the office of head of household or the right right relation of authority. To bind, obligare, to obligate means to bind around. So someone must be have the the right the right of command over the other. And so in this case that you that you mentioned, the husband. As head of household, the father and husband as head of household, the demon's responding to him. And we have many cases where the demon doesn't respond to the household. And when the demon doesn't respond, when the husband and father prays, it shows that there's that 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 he's got some issues he's got to clean up. Because then the second the second the second part of effective prayer is the state of marriage. So if the husband's in a state of grace and he's growing in holiness and virtue, 
his authority will be will be respected and and it will it will be yielded to. Let me put it that way. And if a, there, a woman has authority also in the house, particularly over the body of the husband through the marital through the through the marital debt, um, and she and through but that authority flows to her husband. So. So if, if if the woman is is praying these prayers and it's still having affliction, it could also mean that the is coming in through her family line, and that's why it's causing more issues for them. Got it. Here's a question for either one of you. Uh, this is a common question that's asked that well-intentioned people have this. Uh, I belong to a koinonia prayer group. We do a weekly meeting of house prayer. One time per month, we do a healing meeting with prayer, praises, readings of scripture, and impose hands on an individual to heal them. Would this imposition of hands have a dangerous effect on someone imposing those hands, all the while imploring healing on behalf of that person? So I'm assuming it's a lay person imposing uh, hands on another lay person in somebody's house asking for Jesus to heal them. What would be uh, wrong with that from a traditional and scriptural point of view dan or kyle go ahead dan yeah if you look if you look at it through through tradition beginning in the old testament the imposition of hands was a priestly gesture or a hierarchical gesture of blessing um in the new testament every instance we see laying of hands is done by an apostle and under the guise of healing um but it's also uh, apostolic a priest hands remember a priest at his ordination when you see a priest receive the anointing of the sick they anoint the back of his hands because the front of his hands have already already been anointed hold that, so thought, that gesture. hold that thought ah, hold okay. that thought yep war college will be right back stick around War College, Dr. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, uh, Jesse Romero. Kyle, for people that are just tuning in right now, wh- um, what is Liber Christu and uh, how can people get a hold of Liber Christu? If you can give us a little background for people that are just tuning in right now. Then we'll go back to you, Dan, with your answer. So Liber Christu, um, in its primacy, is a protocol and methodology to uh, promote, teach, and facilitate liberation according to Catholic norms. Um, that's it in a nutshell. You can find out more information at LibreCristo.org, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.org. We're putting out monthly newsletter of various activities, conferences, and retreats and things, not only in this country, but abroad. And and, uh, it is uh, a platform to bring uh, or to offer uh, a way to bring healing and deliverance true to Catholic norms, back to diocese, parishes, um, and other um, Catholic institutions. Father Ripperger um, is, uh, and the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother are the sponsoring uh, religious entities behind uh, Libra Cristo. For the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother, we provide um, consultation, diagnostic, and, and case management for uh, cases of suspected extraordinary diabolical activity around the world. And so this this allows um, us to make available to the public various videos, commentaries, Dan's articles, Dan's uh, stuff. Dan's a part of, of Libra Cristo and the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother. 
um, for mental health professionals and others. There's a whole cadre of support, support services, if you will, for the Ministry of Deliverance and Exorcism. Dan, back to your, uh, back to the uh, the response to your question about uh, why a man's prayers were working in this instance where his house is infested with preternatural activity, but the wife's uh, prayers weren't as effective or not effective at all over the children. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, it goes down to um, follow the, the, the demon is, is the most, um, how do we how do we say it, the most right, the most ordered, uh, disciplinely ordered creature in the cosmos. He's going to follow the rules established by God. What what the demon doesn't want us to learn most most effectively is what are the rules of engagement? And so this is one of the things that we do with Libra Cristo is uncover the rules of engagement. You know, uh, they want us, we're playing baseball, you know, and the, and the demon, we get up there and we get uh, four balls and we try to walk to first base. He says, oh, no, you need six balls to go to first base. We get two strikes and he calls us out. No, it's I thought it was three strikes. No, it's two strikes and you're out. The demon's going to want to try to play the rule, manipulate the rules such that we don't understand them. Because once you understand the rules of engagement, he will yield or not yield according to the engagement of the petitioner, his authority, his state of grace. So, so this is very, they're very critical. And I think going back to the, the last question with Kyle, I think about Libra Cristo that I find um, attractive is that it it's bringing fresh um, approach to the battle. Think about when I was in Desert Storm, uh, how we were tank on tank, linear battlefield, uh, artillery. Um, you know, it was conventional warfare. The enemy got annihilated, right? Because they couldn't, they couldn't stay up with. with the, the American system. So what did they do? War machine. They they went into the streets. They took their uniforms off. They started doing IEDs. They started using civilians as combatants. They the they went back and changed the rules, so to speak, or they went back more primitive rule of warfare and the Americans had to adjust. And in adjusting, we fought at that level as well and did very well until recently uh, we pulled out. Anyway, I don't want to go there. So, so, so we see that the battlefield went from a linear and, and, and direct battle into an, a, an asymmetrical and fluid uh, battle line, even door to door. And so the demon, it seems to be doing that in the mind. It seems to be a shift in the way his tactics are being done. And so we have to a shift. And part of that is understanding more deeply the rules of engagement. Got it. 10-4. Here's a question for both of you. Uh, what does a demon look like? Does it look like smoke, like a shadow? Do they have a face? Do they have a figure? What does a demon look like? Kyle first and then Dan Schneider. So a demon is permitted to um, appear. Uh, and for a lot of things, for a lot of, uh, they appropriate the human whom they're possessing. If they do not have a body through which they have appropriated through which they can work. Then St. Thomas talks about the compression of gas, the compression of atmosphere. They can work on the medium of uh, how we see things. Uh, but the most common uh, indication uh, that you've got a demon present is in the primary sense, he will act through the body whom he is possessing. In the secondary sense, he will act upon the uh, upon objects such as levitation or moving objects. Um, he is an incorporeal creature limited to the faculties of will and intellect. So in order for him to become physical, there is a sensory uh, body needed. So the, the human is needed. There's a, the human faculties are needed. 
oftentimes you ask, how does a demon, uh, what do they look like? They can manipulate stock images which are in our mind, images of horror, images of, of corruption. And so they, they have access to the imagination. They do not have access to the interior intellect. But they have access to the imagination. So the images, they can project images or project concepts to which we attach an image. Um, it's a fascinating thing because we communicate with the angelic in the same way. This is why projection is such an important part of prayer. But that's the short. Um, now, it's, it's interesting that the real markers for a demon are behavioral. So, so there's signature moves that certain demons have. A manifestation of Belial, for instance, is going to be subtly different in a 65-year-old Scandinavian woman than it will be in a 20-year-old Hispanic male. Same demon, but they're different bodies, and so there's going to be some expressional differences. However, there'll be some signature moves that allow you to recognize the individual demon because it's unique to their personality. I'll pass it to Dan. Yeah, no, I think Kyle said it very, very succinctly. There's not much I can really add. Um, um, but yeah, they they do they can manipulate. They can oftentimes they only allowed by God. And I think that's key is that they they can manipulate and take on an appearances. Um, but for the most part, it's 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 only more sensor asensual and things like dread, fear, uh, 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 anger, that sort of thing. And and uh, when it is allowed, it's allowed by God. Remember, I'm a, I was a scout, a cavalry pilot, and, and you know. Uh, the enemy doesn't want want to be seen by a cobra or an Apache helicopter. They want to hide. So if, so if if the, if the demon is coming out, oftentimes these are just parlor tricks to try to cause you fear, uh, to make you back off, to focus on him and not on bear, to focus on him and not on God, to focus on what he's doing, falling into what the the curiosity, what Kyle refers to as a phenomenology, looking at the phenomenon of what the demons are doing and losing focus on Jesus Christ and what he's doing, what he's called do if there is a manifestation of any kind things happening you know other other things that you described earlier in this gentleman's house it's because god is allowing it god is forcing him out of his foxhole so that you can engage him he does not want to be seen any more than a than an infantry soldier in and in a foxhole or a jeep wants an apache to come upon him and see him so if he's out there it's because god is allowing purpose 10-4 got it hey one more question before we wrap it up here uh what are the roles of animals and are they just as likely hosts for demons? Can an animal, your pet, become a host for a demon uh, to bring infestation upon the family? Any one of you? So this is an area that, that there's quite a bit of Protestant influence and misinformation. Um, but the church fathers are clear on it. And, and uh, traditional Catholicism is very clear is that the demon may not possess animals in, in the way he possesses humans. He may not animate them in the way that he animates humans. And we get this out of Genesis third chapter, along about verse 16, where God adjuring the serpent says, you are banned from the animals. The punctuation point on this is the garrison demoniac when they have to ask permission from Jesus to enter the swine. It's, this is not something, this, this is an We lost Kyle for a second there, Dan. Can you pick it up, Dan? Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we see what he was finishing. What he was saying is that by going, by asking permission, it's, it's indicating that no, the animals do not possess. I mean, the animals cannot be possessed in the way humans. Okay, are. Kyle's back. Kyle's back. Go ahead, Kyle. Continue. 
so the animals can be infested, but they can't be possessed. They can't be animated in the same way that humans are. The demon can't uh, take them over, so to speak, but they can be infested. And many times that the animals are spiritually sensitive and sensitive to the presence of the diabolical. Mm. Dan, any comments? No, 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 that's spot on. There's many instances where, where we see that. The, it's a sensitivity of animals that we confuse, again, with kind of a Protestant influence. It's, it's, we confuse the sensitivity of an animal because they, they communicate, as you know, and we know just through nature in a, at a different level and a different way than we communicate. And so they pick up, they'll pick up presence of, of evil and diabolic in ways that, that we don't. So their sensitivity um, is not and does not indicate, however, that they are, you know, that Cujo uh, is an actual uh, metaphysical possibility got it dan tell the audience a little bit about your upcoming book uh uh kyle had a lot to do with this book obviously a lot, a lot of kyle's lectures are in there tell us about the book that's coming up in a couple of months people are asking about it yeah we've got a a, a, a manual coming out um that it's it's designed for dual usage one for our teams that are out in the field uh, uh working with cases through their diocese or through the uh, but also it's also designed to help those it answers a lot of these questions that we're seeing right that we're answering here uh, but I'm laying on more theological uh, and traditional understanding what is Catholic prayer what is projection you know so it as Kyle calls it reclamation theology is reclaiming the tradition of the faith and and applying it to spiritual warfare and and, and getting practical how to how do we use the, the our faith, our practices, our devotions in a way, and how do we understand the human person so that we can fight off the diabolic? diabolic and also try to show how the diabolic works so we can recognize him and combat him. And then we've got two other two other books in the pipeline. Uh, one of them is going to be more functional, a little uh, you know, kind of giving more practical examples same things but but they're designed to really help catholics as, as again we're moving into a really asymmetrical and fluid battlefield going door to door hand-to-hand combat um, this is basically a manual to have folks um, to do that from a catholic perspective and in a safe in a safe way uh by showing the guidelines and the battlefields so you see this when you see this there's there's probably landmines here you know and as a pilot we always had a, a dictum every road has wire assume it even if you don't see it you assume it so teaching these some of these principles using roger's rules for ranging as a, a guerrilla warfare as a premise but but showing how physical warfare can lead us to understand spiritual warfare i hear the music that's the wrap thanks for coming on guys we are eow end of watch we'll see you guys next time god bless you